Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and, and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold, your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. The Apostles' Creed, which we read earlier, is one of the greatest summaries of Christian truth. And it contains that statement, suffered under Pontius Pilate. All over the world, Christians in every nation have professed and worship that we believe that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. And yet that should raise the question, why should the name of Pontius Pilate be remembered? Why should the name of a pagan Roman governor be included in such a sacred statement of faith? Well, for one thing, it does show that Jesus' sufferings under Pilate were historical. This was a real event that happened. And that's vital to the gospel because 
Salvation is not only about what God has said, but also what God has done. Christian hope rests ultimately on the historical fact that God in the person of the Son has intervened in human history to bring about redemption for his people. And yet there's another reason why this statement is in the creed. At the end of the day, Pontius Pilate found his significance in how he responded to Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, Pontius Pilate found his significance in how he responded to Jesus Christ. And this is going to be true for all of you as well. It's going to be true of all of us on Judgment Day. Your eternity depends on how you respond to Jesus. Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And in this passage, he is presented to us as a king. Pilate says, behold, your king. And yet apart from the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, people will not see him as king. They will see a weak and pitiful man, a failure. But for those of us who are in Christ, when we see him suffering under Pilate, getting beaten and mocked by soldiers, rejected by his own people, the Jews, we say, that's my Savior. That's my King who loves me and who is willing to go through all of that for me on my behalf. For those of you taking notes, I've separated this passage into four sections. In verses 1 to 3, we see the coronation of the king. In verses 4 to 8, we see the presentation of the king. In verses 9 to 11, we see the silence of the king. And in verses 12 to 16, we see the rejection of the king. The coronation of the king, the presentation of the king, the silence of the king, and the rejection of the king. And the main point, what I hope you leave here this morning considering is this. Your response to Jesus, the true king and son of God, will determine where you will spend eternity. Your response to Jesus, the true King and Son of God, will determine where you will spend eternity. Okay, so first we see the coronation of the King. There's so much irony in the passage before us because we know that Jesus is the King of Kings and he is the Lord of Lords, but he is presented to us here in such a weak and lowly way. A crown is placed upon his head And there are shouts of hatred toward him. He's arrayed in a royal robe, and yet it's done to mock him. He is presented as the king, but in a sarcastic and belittling way. 
But it's important for us to see that in this passage, Jesus is presented to us as the king. Pilate was in a difficult spot. He knew that Jesus was innocent. He had already tried to get Jesus released by bringing up that custom that they had where they would allow a prisoner to be released during the time of Passover. And yet this plan backfired for Pilate. The people cried out for him to release Barabbas. He was in a difficult spot. He was concerned about upholding justice, but also at the same time, keeping the peace. And so instead of doing the right thing, we read in verse 1, then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. It most likely wasn't Pilate who was the one who actually flogged Jesus, but he was the one who gave the order for the soldiers to flog him. And now there, there were three different types of floggings that the Romans were known for. The first was a, a mild whipping and a stern warning for common criminals. More severe crimes were punished with a brutal whipping and beating. And then there were those who were condemned to death, and they would be flogged in a very severe way, so severe that some would die from the flogging itself. And it's helpful for us to know this because in Matthew and Mark's accounts, Jesus is flogged after Pilate gives Jesus the death sentence. And here in John, Jesus is flogged before. And so the best way to reconcile these two things is to come to the conclusion that Jesus was flogged twice. Probably in a less severe way here in John's account, and then in a more severe way when Pilate gives the final verdict and delivers Jesus over to be crucified. But what was the purpose of this first flogging? Pilate knew that Jesus was innocent. And yet after the crowds demand the release of Barabbas, Pilate has Jesus flogged. Why? Well, it seems as though Pilate does this as an attempt to save the life of Jesus. He hoped that the Jews would be satisfied with it that once they saw Jesus beaten, that they would have some sort of compassion on him, or at least that they would see that he was no real threat to them or to Rome. And so Pilate orders Jesus to be flogged. And as the soldiers flog Jesus, they also mock him. Look at verse 2. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and arrayed him in a purple robe. These men were given the order to flog Jesus, and yet they decided to also mock him. In the first two verses of this chapter, we are exposed to the reality of human sinfulness. It's hatred and it's cruelty. We have Pilate who has the ability to actually let Jesus go free. And yet because of his pride and because of fear of man, he is Jesus brutally beaten in hopes that he would satisfy the Jews. And then you have these soldiers who twist together a crown of thorns 
and they put it on Jesus' head. No doubt some of the thorns digging deep into his skull. Think about who Jesus is. And yet he endures the pain and the scorn of these sinful men. And they also put a purple robe on him. Purple was the color of royalty. They did this to mock him. And then in verse 3, they came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. These men did this in order to, to mock him, and yet they're speaking way better than they know. Jesus is the King of the Jews. He is the one who created the human hand. And yet now, his creation is being used as a weapon against him. These first three verses give us a sobering view of what seemingly decent people are capable of doing. During the Second World War, the Nazi soldiers did horrific things in concentration camps. And yet many of the people who were involved in these crimes against humanity were at one point respectable members of their community. They were doctors and teachers, normal, ordinary people who from all appearances from the outside were decent. And yet they had it in their hearts to inflict the most wicked forms of cruelty upon fellow human beings. We see the same in these soldiers. And so from these verses, we not only see the injustice and cruelty towards Jesus, but we are also reminded of the ugliness of sin that is within each and every one of us. By nature, we are all like these men. Mockers of God. Sinful and in desperate need of salvation. We've seen the coronation of the king. Now let's look at the presentation of the king. Look at verse 4. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Remember, all of this is happening inside the governor's headquarters. And, and the Jews want to remain clean for Passover, so they will not go into the headquarters. So now Pilate comes out to them again. And he tells them that he still finds Jesus not guilty. Remember, Pilate had already said in chapter 18, verse 38, he says it again, I find no guilt in him. And then Jesus comes out wearing the crown of thorns and the robe. And Pilate hopes that as the people see Jesus all bloodied and, and beaten and humiliated, that they would have some sense of pity. He says to them, Behold the man. Is this the man that you were so concerned about? Look at him. Ironically, he was presenting the Jews with the man, the perfect man, the son of man, 
the God-man. But they couldn't see him. As the chief priests and officers beheld the man, the sight of his bruised and bleeding body made them cry out, verse 6, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. Notice here that it wasn't the people at this point calling for crucifixion, but it was the chief priests and the officers, the religious leaders who don't want to defile themselves by entering into the house of a Gentile are crying out for the death of an innocent man. Who would expect the Jews to respond to their king, the incarnation of their God, like they do in this passage? This was pure hatred, man's hatred of God. And Pilate responds by saying, I don't want to have anything to do with this. You guys take him yourselves and you crucify him. But of course, they know that they had no authority to do this, and so did Pilate. And again, Pilate says, I find no guilt in him. And that's the third time that Pilate says that he found no guilt in Jesus. J.C. Ryle said, the one who had the chief hand in slaying the Lamb of God publicly declared that he found no spot or blemish in him. And it's at this point that the Jews reveal what their real problem with Jesus is. Look at verse 7. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the Son of God. See, they were unsuccessful in getting Jesus condemned on political grounds by being an insurrectionist. So now they want Pilate to sentence him based on Jewish religious law. Now think about that. They used the law against the giver of the law. Those who say that Jesus never claimed to be God must have never read the Gospels. Why did the Jews want to put Jesus to death? It was because he claimed to be the Son of God. And when the Jews heard him claiming to be the Son of God, they understood exactly what that meant. He was claiming to be from above. He was claiming to be equal with God. And to them, this was blasphemy and deserving of death. And look at verse 8. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. Even more afraid. John gives us a little insight there. He's letting us know that Pilate has been operating out of fear the whole time. But after he hears that Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, he was even more afraid. Now, this wasn't because he believed that Jesus was the Son of God, but because like many Romans, Pilate was superstitious. And so the thought that Jesus could be a man with divine powers or the son of a God in human form, this made him 
even more afraid. And so he takes Jesus back into his headquarters to question him. We've seen the coronation of the king, the presentation of the king, and now we see the silence of the king. Verse 9, he entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Now, Pilate isn't asking Jesus when he asks, where are you from? What town are you from? Pilate's asking, what is your origin? Are you from earth or are you from some other place where the gods are from? And Jesus doesn't give him an answer. Now, there are a couple reasons why Jesus remains silent here. For one, he's fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy about him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. But also Jesus had already told Pilate that his kingdom was not of this world. Remember, Jesus told Pilate that he had come into this world to bear witness about the truth, and Pilate had rejected it. And so Jesus doesn't answer Pilate, and Pilate cannot believe it. Look at verse 10. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Pilate is insulted by what he believes to be Jesus' lack of respect for his power. And so he says, do you realize, do you not understand that I have the authority to release you, but I also have the authority to crucify you? And then Jesus responds to Pilate's threat in verse 11. Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. That statement, John, is reminding us that even after being beaten and mocked and rejected, Jesus is still in control and willingly submitting himself to all of this. Jesus lets Pilate know, Pilate, you are not the supreme authority. God is. Pilate only has authority over Jesus because God has given it to him. And then Jesus moves from being the one who's on trial to his true role as judge. He says, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Before Pilate can even get to his judgment seat, Jesus begins judging. And notice that Jesus does not say, Pilate, you have no sin. He only says, he who delivered me, most likely in re reference to, to Caiaphas, who, who also represents the entire Jewish people, has the greater sin. But Pilate has misused his authority and allowed himself to be corrupted by the pressure of the Jews. That is his sin. And the greater sin is what Caiaphas and the Jews were guilty of, actively seeking the death of Jesus. And so we see two things in this statement. We have both the acknowledgement that it is God's will for Jesus to suffer under Pontius Pilate. 
But also, Pilate sinned in condemning Jesus unjustly. God is sovereign over all things, and yet man is accountable for his choices and actions. And so after this, how does Pilate respond? Verse 12, from then on, Pilate sought to release him. Pilate was convinced that Jesus was innocent, and so he sought ways to release him, and yet the Jews realized this, and so they cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement and in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold, your king. The Jews knew that Pilate feared Caesar. And so they threatened Pilate. They bullied Pilate. And if he didn't crucify Jesus, then he wasn't being loyal to Caesar. And so Pilate gives up. His choice that day was Caesar over Christ. He sat down on the judgment seat, and John writes that it was the day of preparation of the Passover. The Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world is ready for sacrifice. And then Pilate presents Jesus as the king. But when he says, behold your king, he really means it in a condescending way towards the Jews. And how do the Jews respond to this? Verse 15, they cry out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to be crucified. The chief priests, the religious leaders, Say, we have no king but Caesar. We've seen the coronation of the king, the presentation of the king, the silence of the king, and now the rejection of the king. Here Jesus is standing before them, the man, the savior, the Messiah who was promised long ago. These men were waiting for him. He is their king, the son of David, the son of God. And how do they respond to him? Away with him. Crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. On a holy day, the Passover, they crucified their own Messiah. The Jews who would have been expected to seek the kingdom of God profess zeal for the kingdom of Rome. In the end, because of pride and fear of man, Pilate sided with those who cried out for crucifixion 
And so he is forever remembered for this. While Pilate thought little of Jesus and the Jewish leaders rejected him as their king, we know that the one who stood before them that day was God incarnate, the true king over all. And so in response to this, will you have Jesus as your king? Remember, God has orchestrated all of this. Peter will say in Acts chapter 2 that Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. During his suffering under Pilate, Jesus was laying down his life. Why was a crown of thorns placed on his head? Because thorns infested the sin-cursed ground. And here is the one going to become a curse for his people. Why is he presented as a king? Because Adam failed to be king in the garden. Why does Jesus go through all of this that we see here? The, all the unjust condemnation of Pilate and the Jews because of our sin. Question 38 from the Heidelberg Catechism asks this, why did Jesus suffer under Pontius Pilate as a judge? The answer, that he, Jesus, being innocent, might be condemned by the temporal judge and thereby deliver us from the severe judgment of God to which we were exposed. So why did this have to happen? Why did the Son of God have to end up in a human court and be falsely accused, to be unjustly judged, to be condemned, and be delivered to be crucified? Because we deserve the just judgment of God in the divine court. And so God shows us what Jesus is doing in a human court. How do you know that I will not fall under the condemnation of God on judgment day? Because I deserve it and you all deserve it. How do you know? How can you have peace that you will not come under the judgment of God? Because Jesus came under the condemnation that I deserve in a human court. He bore my sin in my place. Even before the cross, Jesus is showing that he has come to deliver us by being condemned, to deliver us from the severe judgment of God. Jesus has stood in our place He's taken the judgment that we deserve. He's subjected himself to being treated unjustly for you if you believe in him. On judgment day, there's only going to be one thing that matters. It won't be how much you served in the church. 
It won't be how smart you are. It won't be how much theology you know. The only thing that will matter will be what you did when God put the Son of God before you. Have you seen who he is? Are you trusting in him? Have you believed in him? Judgment day is a terrifying thought. And yet, for those who have trusted in Christ, who have the guilt of their sin taken away in his judgment, it is going to be our entry into glory. Jesus has already said in this gospel, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. The son entered into judgment. And we need to hear this because we are prone to think, am I doing enough? Am I reading my Bible enough? Am I good enough? And yet that's not the gospel. You are not good enough. And yet the Son has entered into judgment for you. Pilate is known for his relationship that he had with Jesus. How he responded when he was face to face with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The only thing that will matter when our lives are over is how we have responded to Jesus Christ. So how are you responding to Jesus? He is the innocent sin bearer who wore the crown of thorns so that we, the guilty, might wear a crown of glory. He was clothed with a robe of shame and mockery that we might be clothed with his righteousness and be clothed with white robes before the throne of God. There are only two options for you this morning. To stand with those who rejected and crucified Jesus and face eternal damnation to suffer for your sins in hell or to acknowledge him as Lord and Savior and be saved. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, over your sin, over the guilt of your sin, of not feeling good enough, not doing good enough, not feeling fruitful enough, come to me with all the weight of your guilt and corruption, all of your doubts and fears. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
It's the question we need to answer as we look at Jesus in this passage. Is this, am I coming to him? Am I following him? Have I stopped crying out in my heart, crucify him, crucify him? Am I saying this is my king? He is, he is the king of truth. He is the king who came to redeem me by being condemned for me to deliver me from the severe judgment of God. Jesus is the king who is willing to suffer and be delivered up for his people. Your response to Jesus, the true king and son of God, will determine where you will spend eternity. Let's pray.